It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this blustery Monday morning. Scott in here with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Jorgensen's here along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield. And uh, boy, I tell you, the wind's blowing. Susan, you keeping your hat on there wherever you're at? Oh, it's absolutely crazy. I saw Jeez. a kitten rolling along with the wind today. <laughs> it's like a, it was like a cat tumbleweed. So, it was. Geez, it's, it is crazy windy, that's for sure. What do you got for us today? Well, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219 as we hear from the new Nebraska Soybean Board Associate Executive Director. Scott Ritzman will have that coming from Bryce. Then stepping in at 1245, I talked to Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. The stage has been set. It kind of happened in the markets last week. We might be seeing a possible major market bear. And what that means, higher prices down the road for our ag producers. So some good news mm, good. coming that direction. Then at 117, Chabello will be in, and we'll talk more about the biochair at Shadron. Okay. All right. Boy, that sounds good. High prices. That sounds yeah, good. we'll take it. We will take it. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Boy, I tell you what, Jason, what what a win for the Lopers on Saturday. It was. I had some people ask me about it, and they said, how was that? And I said, well, it Beats working for a living. That's the truth. Sitting there calling one of the biggest wins in school history, the first time UNK has ever knocked off a top 10 team at the D2 level as they won it on Saturday, 24-17 over Northwest Missouri. At what point did you feel pretty good about it? When the final second ticked off or what? Not until the great Sal Silvio jumped on the back of Northwest quarterback Braden White and forced him to lose the ball and the Lopers then recovered it nice. late in the game. Silvius, he's good. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's forced to fumble and you wouldn't find a nicer kid. Really? That's yeah. even so, better. Uh, coming up in sports, we'll hear from Coach Josh Lynn about UNK's big win. Now the challenge is to get up and do it again because they have a huge game at Hayes on Saturday and after a slow start to the year, Fort Hayes State has started to play much better and they've won five in a row. So it should be quite a game we have for everyone on Saturday afternoon at 2. Also coming up in sports, we'll talk a little of this, a little bit of that. Hastings College is going to be adding two more sports, women's wrestling and men's volleyball. What? So that's what's down the pipe for the Broncos there in Hastings. We will give you the lowdown on that. Monday Night Football, Tom Brady and the uh, Patriots look to stay undefeated against the Jets. And uh, Carney grad and former Husker kicker Brett Maher did it again last night. 63-yard field goal. Oh, my goodness. There's a tornado about 15 miles away from him, and he put that thing home at the Jerry Dome. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive stuff. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. How are things going in stocks today? Stocks are a little bit higher today as investors are getting set for a busy week of earnings reports. Uh, financial companies posted the biggest gains and uh, bond as bond yields rose. Technology and industrial companies also saw some solid gains. Meanwhile, the nation's three largest drug uh, uh, distributors and a drug maker have reached a tentative deal to settle a lawsuit related to the nation's opioid crisis. And the United Auto Workers says it's reached a tentative contract agreement for its workers at General Dynamics. So that'll free up some things there, and uh, folks will be going back to work and building vehicles, parts, and so forth. All right. Good news. That's good news for sure. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 41 right now. That's all coming up on Minta. 
Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And we've got uh, Paul Perkins blew his way in the studio today. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's a chin strap on your toupee sort of day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, not ideal for wind conditions today. Uh, a lot of people deciding not to harvest today because of the winds, you know, because it's going to blow that corn right out of uh, the combine and the grain trucks and whatever. And uh, we've had the worst of the wind continues to be over west central Nebraska. North Platte currently with the wind gust at 60 miles per hour. The Imperial area also reporting wind gust at 59 miles per hour. The Oof. highest we've seen so far for wind gust in North Platte up to 67 miles Oof. per hour. And much of the area experiencing wind gust on into the 40s and the 50s. And because of that, we do have a high wind warning for much of west central and central Nebraska. This high wind warning basically from North Platte to Kearney and Greeley and points to the north. So once again, North Platte to Kearney and Greeley and points to the north right along that line. High wind warning until this afternoon, about 3 o'clock for wind gust up to about 60 miles per hour. Be careful, of course, if you're driving those high-profile vehicles and batting down the hatches for today. Well, and, and there's probably a lot of blowing dust in areas, too, yeah. so be careful when you're driving. There could be a brownout. You betcha. Uh, temperatures right now mostly in the low and mid-40s across the area. We do have some low 50s over much of Kansas, upper 40s to low 50s in Kansas. Some light rain continuing to fall, mainly in northeast Nebraska from north of Norfolk to just south of Columbus. Also a little bit of light rain in north-central Nebraska towards the Valentine and Ainsworth area. There was a light coating of snow on some grassy areas in extreme northern Nebraska earlier today. The reason for all the wind, we're sitting in between high pressure building from the west and low pressure, very strong low pressure over Minnesota that brought some very uh, stormy weather to much of the northern plains over the weekend. Northwest winds will continue to be strong today, gusts as high as 50 to 60 miles per hour, especially in west central and central areas of Nebraska, just to the north of I-80. Clouds and a slight chance of some light rain or sprinkles over central and eastern areas of Nebraska. Those winds will moderate some for tonight and tomorrow, but still remain on the breezy side as high pressure edges closer. Also, as that area of high pressure starts to move closer, <clears throat> we will see those uh, skies color a lot more. We still have quite a bit of sunshine over west and southwest Nebraska and western Kansas, but if you're along and east of the line from about, oh, we'll call it the Mullen area to North Platte down to Curtis and the Norton and Kansas area, those clouds are pretty prevalent. Also, patches some clouds from about uh, Ogallala to McCook, but those aren't as prevalent. But that solid shield of clouds right now over much of west central to central and eastern areas of Nebraska. And some good news for harvest over the next few days. All the way through the weekend, we are looking at mainly dry conditions, but there will be some temperature swings in there. Tomorrow and Wednesday's temperatures near seasonal with the ridge of high pressure starting to move closer. Temperatures cool back down for Thursday behind a cold front that moves through on Wednesday night. Any light rain or snow with that system should be limited to mainly to the sand hills and northern areas. Another warm-up to seasonal temperatures is back for Friday and Saturday before some much cooler air on Sunday. And that cooler air will be sticking around for a while. In the long-term forecast, below normal temperature is looking very likely now for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S., especially the western two-thirds of the U.S., this weekend through the first three days of November. That cold air going to stick around for the tail end of October here. For reference in central Nebraska, the daytime highs for late October and early November, usually in the upper 50s with overnight lows on average in the low 30s, but we're looking highly likely that it will be below normal on average for that. Nebraska, Kansas, and the central plains We'll see a brief period of near normal to slightly above normal precipitation this weekend and very early next week. 
Nebraska and Kansas back to trending drier than normal the middle of next week through November 3rd. Key weather factors impacting the markets include wet conditions in the central United States and a continued rain chance for Brazil. Another impressive storm over the nation's midsection, drifting to the northeast and reaching Lake Superior tomorrow. That is the system giving us some winds for today, those strong winds today. Five-day rain totals could reach one to two inches or more across the eastern third of the U.S., eastern third of the U.S., including the upper Midwest. The precipitation is maintaining exceedingly wet conditions, which has led to lowland flooding, significant fieldwork delays, and a degrading quality of unharvested crops. In the northern plains, some harvest losses from snow and strong winds are expected. The southern plains crop weather, mostly favorable for pre-winter wheat development. In addition, some beneficial precipitation expected in 6 to 10 days. Across Brazil, some beneficial rain and cooler temperatures expected in the next few days. Soybean planting is even with the average pace at 20% finished. South-central areas of Brazil, though, including Paraná, are drier with reduced progress. You know, you often talk about the tug-of-war between summer and winter. <laughs> you know, we're having a tug-of-war between high and low pressure, aren't we? And that's what's yeah. causing this. Yep, this exactly. Yeah, that big difference in air pressure with high pressure building in from the west, low pressure departing. We're right in between those systems. And, yeah, it's a very strong system that is bringing, once again, some uh, quite a bit of moisture to the uh, northern plains, especially right now, some heavy moisture in eastern Minnesota on into Wisconsin. Uh, they've got temperatures in the 40s, so it's uh, falling as some rain, but uh, some snow was falling, of course, in the Dakotas earlier with this mm. system. But it is a very strong area of low pressure bringing in these strong winds. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, we'll keep an eye on all of that for you. Paul, where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Tuesday night, it's UNK Volleyball action on 93.1 The River as the 20-0 Lopers host Emporia State, and we will bring you all of the action from KRVN Sports. Hi, this is Jason Jorgensen inviting you to join me for the call. Our coverage will start around 5.50 with first serve at 6. That's Loper Volleyball action tomorrow night from the Health and Sports Center as they take on Emporia State, and you can catch all of the action on 93.1 The River and on the River app. Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined by Scott Ritzman. He was recently named the Associate Executive Director of the Nebraska Soybean Board. As Associate Executive Director, he'll be working on behalf of the state's soybean farmers to contribute to the mission of the board. Prior to joining the Nebraska Soybean Board, he spent seven years in the international grain export industry. Uh, working in the international marketing, did programs to promote um, soybeans from the Midwest, in the uh, export markets through PNW as well as Mexico, Latin America. Um, those programs were to really show off the Midwest and the quality and the nutrients of the soybean and soybean meal to the customers. Scott joined the board on October 1st. He says he's made the career move for two reasons. First thing was is to join a respected and well-known organization. Um, the second thing was is it was an opportunity for me to see the other pieces of the pie of the soybean industry if you would want to call it that. I was more on the supply and demand. This gave me the opportunity to get more into the communication, the research, and the promotion of it as part of it. Although he's only been on staff for a few weeks, he's already thinking about ways to invest checkoff dollars to create more demand. Really just trying to gain understanding of everything that Nebraska is involved in, the programs that they see the value in, and it's giving them the biggest return. Um, areas that I see that could be a uh, an area for Nebraska to invest the check dollars in is 
biodiesel, it's been a big return. There's a lot of uh, promotion and awareness that Nebraska puts checkoff dollars into. Another area that we could see uh, potential that we could invest and look into is um, identity preserved soybeans, Isle Lake, find a market that we could export those out of Nebraska to. We have the advantage of using rail, so we could look into Mexico area and the Latin America section of the markets. He says the checkoff is a valuable asset to farmers across Nebraska. It's an opportunity to have a voice in all the areas of marketing, research, communication, and education. We use those checkoff dollars to promote and everything. It's an opportunity to find where we can build a better relationship with our customers overseas or international marketing programs. We use education and outreach to educate the younger generations to be more involved in agriculture and to be aware of what soybeans are and how they're used in the livestock and also in the food industry. And lastly, another way to find value-added products that we can invest programs into, biodiesel, higher soybean oils, and other types of things where you can add value-added product in the exports. Some of the programs Scott has referred to wouldn't be known had it not been for the soybean checkoff. That is correct, yes. Biodiesel, there is a lot of effort put into it. Nebraska is kind of a big supporter of it, and they've invested a lot of the checkoff dollars into it, um, heavily involved in the promotion of it. Hyaluronic is something that's being really marketing. It's slowly gaining traction in the export markets. Customers are interested in it. It's the issue we have right now is getting that steady supply to them. And I know they have a steady supply of hyaluronic beans or hyaluronic oil to use in the cooking industry. Scott says he is excited about the future of the soybean checkoff. The biggest thing is is to work with the staff at the Nebraska Soybean Board to uh, find projects and collaborate with our partners to push the mission of the nine elected board members' goals that they set out in the year, and also to better the Nebraska agriculture through these programs and push forward new innovations in the soybean industry and ways to use soy in the food and in the livestock industry. Those comments from the new Nebraska Soybean Board Associate Executive Director Scott Ritzman. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for us to take a look at sports brought to you by Woodhouse. As always, Jason Jorgensen in studio with us here today. And uh, boy, the glow over... uh, Carol Cope, Ron and Carol Cope Stadium, Foster Field uh, was bright. It's pretty cool. It yeah, long time in coming. Uh, you never know how upsets will will happen. Of course, the Lopers got a couple breaks early on against Northwest Missouri and eventually knocked off the seventh rank and previously undefeated Bearcats twenty four to seventeen. Head coach Josh Lynn says staying the course helped the Lopers pull this one out. You know, I thought going into the game we had a chance if we made minimal mistakes. And that's, you know, you look at the drive right at the end of the half. We weren't any, we were going to do our thing. We were going to play Loper football. We weren't going to try to quick strike. We were going to, we're going to play Loper football. And let's play good defense and, and run the ball. And, I, you know, I thought we did that against a good opponent today. That was a 75-yard drive that put the Lopers up at the time, 21 nothing. Now, they beat the Bearcats for the first time in 29 years and earned the program's first ever win over a Division II top-10 team. This week, UNK is on the road at Red Hot Fort A. State. has won five in a row, and they just won a 42-41 matchup against Pittsburgh State. So be careful of the hangover. A little bit for both teams. Right, for both yeah, teams. That was yeah. a big win for Fort A. State. Of course, we will have the game on Saturday afternoon over on 93.1 The River. 
It's back to game week for the Huskers this week as they take on Indiana. Head coach Scott Frost will hold his weekly press conference in just a little bit. Now, over the weekend, there were reports that talented but troubled sophomore running back Maurice Washington is no longer on the team. It was announced today that Nebraska's game with Purdue on November 2nd will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Over the weekend, the UNK volleyball team improved to 20-0 and on the year as they down Missouri Southern. They're back at home tomorrow night when they face off against Emporia State. That one begins at 6. We will bring it to you on the river and on the river app. Did you catch this? Former Husker and Carney grad Brett Maher became the first kicker in NFL history with three field goals of at least 60 yards with his 63-yarder at the end of the first half last night of the Cowboys' big win over the Eagles. So here's a 63-yard attempt. That was a memorable Al Michaels of NBC Sports on the call. You know, they had the little graphic there in the corner. Uh-huh. It showed that it would have been good from 66. No kidding. Uh-huh. He, wow. He leaned into that one. <laughs> Maher's make is also a Cowboys record. He made a 62-yarder last year against the Eagles and a 62-yarder last week against New York. You talk about a feel-good story. No kidding. I mean, Maher was a great kicker and a punter for the Huskers. Then bounced around a little bit, mm-hmm. went up to the CFL, had some success, gets his shot there in Dallas, and done a great job. Folk hero now. Yep. And uh, Michigan State is the number one team in the Associated Press Top 25 Men's College Basketball Poll. Spartans took the top spot with 60 first-place ballots. Kentucky is ranked second. KU is third. Also of note, Hastings College announced today it will offer men's volleyball and women's wrestling as varsity sports, starting with the 2020 2021 year. There you go. Okay. Very good. Do you think you think Mo's gone? I mean, how do you feel about that? Is that is, are the rumors I think good? He's probably gone. Wow. We'll find out a little bit. Mm-hmm. That is Check Sports. For more, find that anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. All right. Thank you, Jason. Nebraska lawmakers who want to lower property taxes and replenish the state's rainy day fund could have a slightly easier time accomplishing those goals next year, but many are still worried about the impact of major flooding and the struggling farm economy. Key lawmakers said they're hopeful a recent uptick in the state's sales tax collections could help them reduce the burden on farmers and homeowners who have complained for years about rising property tax bills. Lawmakers will get a better idea about the state's financial situation when the Nebraska Economic Forecasting Advisory Board meets to update its revenue estimates. Lawmakers and Governor Pete Ricketts rely on the board's projections to determine how much money they'll have available in the coming year. A six-year-old girl was burned when she fell into a fire pit at a pumpkin farm and event center south of Lincoln. Medics were sent to Roca Berry Farm around 6 p.m. Saturday. The girl was taken to a Lincoln hospital for treatment of what were described as minor burns. Her name hasn't been released. It's not clear whether the fire was still going when she fell. The facility sits about five miles south of Lincoln. October is Pork Month. Tim Chancellor, president of the Nebraska Pork Producers Association. We've been making gains uh, over the years, uh, adding pig numbers into Nebraska. This year, I believe we were up around 3% in growth. Total inventory of pigs in Nebraska, 3.7 million static population. And that's, that's a continual growth. We've been making single-digit growth over, over the last two to three years. 
He says adding pork to your fork is a great way to get your needed protein. A Kansas couple has been killed in a plane crash in New Mexico. Fire officials in the town of Angel Fire said that the plane went down Sunday morning in a field between a restaurant and a hardware store. Fire officials identified the victims as 65-year-old Richard Shank and Ann Shank of Great Bend. The Post described Richard Shank as an experienced commercial-rated pilot. He was chief executive officer of Community Bank of the Midwest in Great Bend. The cause of the crash hasn't been determined. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating. More than a dozen runaways from state custody in Kansas are being prosecuted for recruiting sex workers for human traffickers, drawing the ire of the victim's advocates and some lawmakers. After former Republican Governor Sam Brownback took office in 2011 and reduced aid to needy families, the foster care population ballooned. The news reports say that the surge made it hard to find suitable placements, leading to an increase in vulnerable runaways. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroer. The U.S. dollar showing some bearish signals. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Some of those signals are to show up in last week's market trade as we find out more from Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. Well, what happened last week um, is, is we, we follow either the, the standard U.S. dollar index, which people follow those, the futures market, it is basically U.S. dollar against the euro with a little bit of the yen in it. But it's, it's, it's really a euro-dollar uh, measure. It's okay. It's fine. But we prefer to look at something called the broad dollar index, which the Federal Reserve puts out once a week, which is a trade-weighted U.S. dollar index that factors in things like the Brazilian real, the Chinese renminbi, you know, very important currencies to add markets and just the euro, and uh, we exceeded temporarily um, earlier in the month the all-time high in that index, um, and have since, as of last Friday's close, closed back down below that. So we call that this is a pattern that we see in many markets, uh, Susan, where we get a it was on either side, but in this case, when you break out above an important resistance area, two things can happen. One thing is it's a runaway advance, you break out, and it just it enters a rapid rally, or it fails to do that, and then you close back below. And we call that a breakout failure reversal down sell signal, suggesting that what should have been a signal to the market to run away to the upside was actually a, a bull trap, meaning you trapped the bulls into thinking this was it, and now you've closed back below important resistance, putting the onus back on the bearish case. That happened last week on the on Friday's close. We actually triggered that pattern for the first time, and, it, and it's typically very significant in any market that we see this happen. And so... Um, if, if that is correct, so what we want to see now is we want to see some follow-through to the downside here over the next week or two to to confirm that that is, is in full place. And if that happens, then we have a major follow-through to the downside, which we think we're going to. We think this is a major signal. It says that, that the U.S. dollar has made its final top, and we are going to be in a protracted uh, multi-year decline in the U.S. dollar. Um, 
And so this technical pattern, which we've been, we, we warned about, we've talked about in our past reports, you know, that we, the setup was there that if we got that trigger, it could be really meaningful. And, and we did get that trigger last week. And some of the things that have contributed to it, uh, the announcement by the Federal Reserve that they've begun quantitative easing round four. So looking at what's happening in agriculture, the weather, the late harvest, this information of the dollar, how does that relate to an ag producer then that is listening to you, understands what's happening with the dollar, but wants to know more about how it's going to affect them in the trade of their product? Well, what I believe, if, if we're correct about this dollar placing a final high and we enter a more accommodative dollar decline, it means that we're going to have higher prices, not just for the next, you know, you know, that's just okay. It's a three-month rally, I and mean, we're talking about a multi-year move higher here, like we had in 06 to 08, 2010 and 2012. Something more protracted to the upside. Um, so, so, so a, a a producer should be looking at this and saying that you know, if this is the case, we are entering a different environment. Before you know, every rally needed to be sold immediately uh, because it wasn't going to last because it was, the dollar was continuing to be strong. Whereas in this environment, we may be seeing shorter duration corrections, more shallow corrections, but making higher highs and higher lows and then more and then more of a multi year upswing in price. So 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 that's the shift. And it doesn't mean that the farmer doesn't sell. It doesn't mean we're not going to go make sell recommendations. We are, but it means that you might want to be a little less aggressive. Um, maybe using more put options. You know, things of that variety instead of making cash sales because, you know, this is the beginning of one of these larger moves you know, like we had, you know, in '06, where we went from, uh, you know, two two and a half dollar corn, we went up as high as seven eight dollar corn. And you don't want to be selling too aggressively four dollar corn if we're going to seven or eight. You know, that that may not be a bad short term sale, but we don't want to be getting too aggressive on the longer term sales if we're entering a more uh, inflationary ag move environment. And so that's really something that I think, believe U.S. producers of agriculture need to be thinking about, and maybe shifting their, you know, what they've been doing for five or six years where we've been in this protracted bear market environment being a little less aggressive, more production-oriented so that they don't miss, if they want to keep themselves more open to the upside here uh, than worrying about the downside as much as they have in the past. And Sean says that they continue to look at a couple key factors. Uncertainty around the election, you know, are they, you know, is that person going to get in or not? And on top of it, we know that one of the prime factors that gets a president a second shot at a second term or not is whether the economy in the summer before the elections is looking good or bad. That is my conversation from earlier today with Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors. He's also a contributor to the Fontenelle Final Bell. That's a look to what's happening with the dollar and the effects on the trade. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Well, time for us to take a look at the business world, see what's going on stock markets around the world, and uh, it's a good day. And one of the boy, one of the very few times since uh, I've been on board that uh, I can say everything's green right now. The Japanese Nikkei, the Asian markets are real good. Japanese Nikkei up fifty six, the uh, Hang Seng up twenty, the FTSE in London was up thirteen. And, and the German DAX index, which doesn't uh, usually go up and down a ton, was up 115 points today. Otherwise, other places here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, while it has dropped down below 26, or excuse me, down below 27,000, is up today 
23. The Nasdaq up 62. And the S&P index is up 15. So green across the board as we turn it over to Bob Brogan. Well, stocks are rising, led by banks and tech companies. And um, financial services companies posted the biggest gains as bond yields rose. Tech and industrial companies also saw some solid upward movement. Halliburton rose 8.1%. The oil field services company said it will cut costs in its North American operations amid a decline in customer spending. The nation's three largest drug distri- uh, dis- distributors, why can't I say that word today, and a drug maker have reached a tentative deal to settle a lawsuit related to the nation's opioid crisis. The agreement comes within hours of the first federal trial over the crisis, with opening statements scheduled for today in Cleveland. The tentative settlement involves several drug distributors and um, Purdue Pharma, maker of OxyContin, is still trying to settle opioid lawsuits through bankruptcy court. UAW, the United Auto Workers, says it has reached a tentative contract agreement for its workers at General Dynamics. The union, which represents UAW members at manufacturing plants in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, has not disclosed details of today's agreement. The union says it must first brief its members. General Dynamics, based in Falls Church, Virginia, it is the uh, country's fifth biggest defense contractor. UAW also came to a tentative contract agreement last week with General Motors after workers were on strike for more than a month. And uh, Boeing stock keeps falling after revelations about internal concern over a flight system tied to two deadly crashes. Uh, Boeing's credit uh, has been downgraded to neutral, citing Friday's disclosure of a senior Boeing test pilot's messages about the 737 MAX. The pilot told a co-worker he struggled to handle a system called MCAS in a flight simulator and unknowingly lied to regulators. So that that whole thing is kind of uh, mm. continues to uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, feed on its own... Uh, yeah, young or I, something. I, I, I don't know what the deal is. Well, and you hate the cliche, but I'm afraid that it has some legs because uh, maybe not wings, but it's a it's a mess. Well, they definitely have to clear things up because lots of people fly, and uh, by golly, uh, we need to have safe aircraft. Safe yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. No, no question about it. We'll see what happens. Thank you, Bob. Hirsch of Red Cloud is the big winner of the Bringing It Home Ram Pickup. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this was a good break. We needed needed a little break, and this this right here definitely works. Relive all the fun at KRVN.com. Thanks to all the sponsors. Uh, I'm very grateful to everybody that chipped in and made this possible. I mean, this... This, this is awesome. This, this is really, really awesome. Thanks to everyone who registered this summer and be listening for more chances to win on KRVN. Nebraska Forest Service hosted an ROI Carbonator 500 wood waste disposal in biochar production equipment demonstration on October 11th in Shatterhead. With the Roll Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. The Carbonator is a way for communities and forests to get rid of woody debris, which can become fire hazards. The Carbonator not only gets rid of debris, but it also creates an environmentally friendly byproduct. 
Doak Nickerson, Northwest Nebraska District Forester in the Nebraska Forest Service, says the demonstration had originally been planned at Shattern State Park, but snow and cold temperatures moved the demo to the landfill in Shattern. What we've learned, though, from research is that uh, it's, a, it's a fairly inefficient burn. So um, open power burning produces a lot of smoke which is untapped energy. Whenever you see uh, wood residue piles burning and there's a lot of smoke being produced, that's carbon that's released in the atmosphere that we never captured. And so that's where biochar comes in. And, and this machine burns at, uh, once it's running at full throttle, it burns at about two to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And there's a little bit of smoke once we're, when we first started up, but once it's running at full throttle, the only thing you see coming out of that burner is heat waves. Nickerson says no smoke is a good sign, as it means the burning process is capturing carbon from the wood. He says it is also a good opportunity for landfills to leave a smaller environmental footprint. To reduce air emissions in the, in the smoke and the bad smell and the haze in the community, and that would make patrons within the community happy as well. Biochar is a pure carbon product made from organic material that can offer improvements in soil nutrient and moisture retention and reduce burning and landfill of agriculture and forestry wastes. The ROI Carbonator 500 is designed to accept trees, brush, stumps and other wood debris. Nickerson says the biochar has a lot of uses, especially for tired lands. Certainly we know it has uh, uh, major beneficial uses uh, for soil amendments uh, to help the health and vigor of the soils, especially soils that are depleted. Those soils tend to be tired and they need help uh, and carbon is the answer. Uh, recycling carbon back into the into those soils so we can recharge the, the flora and fauna that live in those soils so that we can create better a better environment. The carbonator is a giant box which burns trees in sections or stumps, so there is no grinding or chipping needed. Nickerson adds the machine would be a good investment for construction companies or towns and cities with tree residue landfills. In doing so, we could create biochar that could be used within that community. A lot of our soils, in, certainly in big cities, but uh, smaller communities as well, a lot of our soils are tired and they need help. They, they're compacted. They've, they've been depleted of organic matter for many, many, many decades, if not a hundred years or more. And so those tired soils need help in order for those soils to grow things again. Biochar creates nutrients to feed plants from trees to grasses and crops. The biochar is slow to break down, but the beauty of it, Nickerson says, is it has a slow, steady release of carbon over decades. The demonstration was presented with the support from Tiger Cat Machines, USDA Forest Service, and the Council of Western State Foresters. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Trabella Guzman. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Looking at the screen today was mostly red in the grains, led by Wheat Futures, Chicago and Kansas City. With us today is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Is this not the time of the year anyway when we have a market, and a wheat market, that's kind of overbought? 
Yeah, well, I don't know if you've talked to anybody else who said this, but this is a seasonal sell period for wheat. So between now and Thanksgiving, we tend to see the Chicago wheat market sell off. I don't have a lot of data on the KC on that, but I think 14 of the last 15 years, if you had sold the Chicago wheat on today and bought it back around Thanksgiving, you would have made money. Now, I want to throw a quick caveat in there. It doesn't mean that between now and Thanksgiving, you wouldn't have lost money. They're just saying by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, we are usually cheaper right now than we are as at the or I'm sorry in Thanksgiving than we are at this time of the year so I think corn is taking its cue from that Casey wheat to me is probably the most easy sell on the board if you if you if you want to go that route 425 into the close you know you know what I've been saying for years now almost I've been saying this delivery you go to four bucks so we'll see if that'll hold this year there are obviously some different dynamics at play mainly a, a late U.S. crop uh, on the corn side obviously the the spring wheat harvest that really is probably never going to finish but we have so much grain around in the near term, specifically feed grain. It's tough to think there's a whole lot of upside here. So um, I think we probably have seen our high for the December contract. I maybe see a run up there into the low 390s again, you know, mid 390s. But I, I just don't think we we have the the I guess the fuel to really push it on the demand side, uh, and without any real supply problems that. I think everything's pretty much known outside of a USDA yield change. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to get too too bullish. That said, I could have made this argument a week a week ago, and we rallied up to close to three ninety five. So, you know, maybe don't go out and short the farm tonight. What about the bean basis? Is that going to see pressure as these combines continue to roll? Well, the basis is what's keeping the market up. So oh. that that's the that's the concern, for my opinion, is that the basis basis in soybeans is a little bit different. So starting with beans. It's better than it was a year ago. It's not as bad as it was a year ago. It's well below the five-year average in, in Omaha, for example. But the poor basis isn't near as good as it was. And when you factor in the rally we've had, we've kind of taken away the big tariff differences between here and Brazil. Moving quickly to corn, the interior basis of corn is great. Omaha is fantastic. The Cal Illinois is fantastic. Or Decatur, Illinois is fantastic. What stinks is it's at the port. So you have a pull on the market from the from the basis here, whereas the port basis is awful. So we're you know losing demand there. The question is, what happens to that basis when the bulk of harvest starts? I, I mean, I would think it would get weaker, but I I can't answer that question. Okay, thanks, John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN for this Monday. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN, brought to you by Devaney Motors.